Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hit and run. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. This ball is hit to deep left field. Trouble back as Wisdom. That's a home run. Brian Goodwin with a two-run homer. As we welcome our next guest, the king of the bat flip, Billy Hamilton. And here it comes, and he struck him out looking. He got him. Didn't quite hit his location, but top of the zone, 99. Swing and a miss. How about that first inning? And he swings and misses on a slider. Four batters, four strikeouts for Rodon. He got him on a slider. Swing and a miss, strike three. Eight batters faced. Six strikeouts. Swing and a miss, strike three. He's got eight. He got him for his ninth strikeout. Swing and miss. He got him on 98. He struck him out. He's got 11. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Well, well, well. Good morning, baseball people. How are you on a Sunday? Hope all is good. Cubs Sox weekend rolls on. 40,000 people. At Wrigley yesterday, 39 and change on Friday. Should be another 40,000 tonight. Me and the family will be in attendance. Um, Maybe some of you as well. Ball clubs trending in very different directions. But lots of people out and about enjoying the rivalry this weekend. Even though... There was a preseason football game yesterday. And the Bulls stole headlines with a crazy free agent week with sign and trades. And the Bears don't have anybody to play left tackle. No big deal. It's not that important a position. But none of this is why you called Let's Talk Baseball. And we will do so. Yeah, thank you. Exactly. We will do so for the next three hours right here on 670 The Score. We will not let any of those things derail our baseball conversation. Steve Stone with a rare Sunday appearance on Hit and Run. That's coming up in about 20 minutes. Looking forward to that. We'll talk to Stoney about Cubs and Sox the last two days. We'll talk about pitching in the eighth versus pitching in the ninth. Why Carlos Rodon was so dominant yesterday and much, much more with Stoney. Also got to ask him about J.R. Richard, one of his contemporaries, guy who Stoney started against in the All-Star game in 1980. One of my favorite pitchers of my youth who just passed away. This past week, Sahadev Sharma will join us at 11. Sahadev's written a lot of interesting pieces over the last week and a half 
two weeks on The Athletic. I mean, certainly about the trades and about the people traded away. He and Patrick Mooney did a deep dive into the system as it stands now after all the acquisitions. Um, there was a really interesting piece we need to talk about with Cody Hoyer and how Tommy Hadovy is already working with Cody Hoyer to try and fix some of the problems that Cody has had this year. And we'll get more context on Frank Schwindel. Poor Frank Schwindel. He's a punchline right now. People are like, who is this guy? Who are these Cubs? What's this about? Frank Schwindel, that's not a real person. That or Jonashwi Vargas. I know. They are real people. They're genuine ball players. Did you know that Frank Schwindel was the minor league player of the year in the Kansas City Royals system in 2018? Did you know that? He was. He's a, he's a, he's a legit human. And there's big piles of Romines now. We might get um, hot Romine on Romine action at some point the rest of the way. Check on the health of Austin Romine. See where he is right now. Is he, is he playing for Iowa? I did not watch the Iowa baseball game that Marquis offered us uh, last night. But um, it, we might get two Romines on the Cubs at some point. I know that's what everybody's tuning in for. And soon this week, Luis Robert back for the White Sox. I know I'm bouncing all over the place, but such is the, uh, such is the state of things in a two-team town, a glorious two-team town. It's a 10-and-a-half game lead for the White Sox right now in the American League Central. The second-best run differential in the American League Central belongs to the Indians. It's minus 33. Meanwhile, there's four teams with a positive run differential in the American League East as that race is just bananas. The best run differential in that division is Toronto, who finds themselves in fourth place. The Red Sox have faded dramatically. The Yankees have charged. Tampa was seemed like they were fading a little, but maybe they've stabilized just a bit. That, uh, that is not a division you'd like to be in. But the White Sox, with their massive 10.5 game lead... Over the second place team, 12 over Detroit, 17 over Kansas City, 18 over Minnesota. This division is over. Unique challenges down the stretch here and unique opportunities to get everybody rested. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. You can always hop in. We can talk on the phone. We can text. We can do a wide variety of other things. This is... You know, this is a really cool weekend. It just always is, and I'm thankful for it. It gets a bad rap a lot of times through the years, but, man, I love the history of this game, of these teams. The Cubs were many, many different names early on, among them the White Stockings. They were the White Stockings in, like, 1876 through the 1880s. They were known as the White Stockings. By the time 1900 came around, the Cubs were known at that point as the Orphans, the Chicago Orphans. And Ben Johnson, the president of the American League, wanted a Chicago team in the American League. So he convinced Charles Comiskey to move the St. Paul Saints minor league franchise to Chicago. And the Cubs owner, Al Spaulding, yes, Spaulding Sporting Goods, among many other things, was not, uh, not pleased that the St. Paul Saints were coming to be an American League team and to be a rival. And so 
and, and I don't know how many people know this stuff. I love this stuff. That so Al Spalding and the Cubs decided that the team that was coming to Chicago, they were not going to be allowed to be north of 35th Street. <laughs> they demanded that they not be north of 35th Street. So if Comiskey was going to move his team to Chicago and they, they were supposed to not be north of 35th Street. So Comiskey named his team the White Stockings as a jab for what the Cubs had been, the White Stockings, back in 1876, as I mentioned. And they were a new team, and they were challenging the Cubs as the National League franchise. And this was the idea all along. So they came in as the second team, as the little brother with a chip on their shoulder, immediately disrespected by the Cubs. That is 121 years ago. And so if you feel like that vibe still fits, you're not wrong. It, it's, just, it, it's just remarkable. It took a long time for the National League and the Cubs to recognize the uh, equality of the American League and the viability of the Chicago White Stockings, who became the White Sox. So that rivalry has been a thing forever. And just one matchup in a, in a World Series. Meanwhile, the New York Giants and the New York Yankees met. The Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Yankees met. The A's and the Giants out in the Bay Area have met in a World Series. You've had St. Louis and Kansas City meeting in a World Series. Mets and the Yankees eventually. Clemens and Piazza getting into it in a World Series. A boy can dream. In the meantime, we'll take uh, 40,000 plus three days in a row at Wrigley for Cubs and White Sox with the White Sox now holding a lead on the Cubs 67 to 63 in the lifelong series between the two teams. Tonight's game is on ESPN. That means Steve Stone has the day off. And it means Steve Stone gets to join us in about 10 minutes and very much looking forward to it right here on 670 The Score. Bizarre times. Bizarre times for the Cubs and exciting times for the White Sox. Carlos Rodon was dominant yesterday. Uh, and he's been dominant for most of the year. 160 strikeouts on the year, just 30 walks on the year for Rodon. Five double-digit strikeout games for Rodon on the year, but just one of them since early May. And now two of them since early May with all the strikeouts yesterday. Um, I'll give you the numbers in a minute, but listen to Rodon talk about the extra rest that he has had here. I believe his last start was the 29th of July. So we get to the 7th of August, and we're looking at about nine days rest for Rodon, and he pitched well with it. Here's Carlos talking about the extra rest. It was nice to get a few more days extra and well-rested and to show up today. The velocity was there. And it was good. Here's Tony La Russa talking about Rodon pitching well on short rest. You go out there 30 times, and, and sometimes you got a little extra, and sometimes you let it go and it doesn't come out as, as well. And if they jump you early, you never know whether you'll find it later. So, uh, but he had good rest for this one, and he's proven when he's rested, it pays off. So now he's going to pitch 
the Field of Dreams game, which is the pitching on regular four days rest. But then there's an off the next day, so he'll get an extra day. So long rest. I might have said short rest leading into the cut. I meant long rest. On four days rest this year for Rodon, there have been six starts. The ERA is 3.25. Um, the strikeouts per nine is 11.8. Very good. The whip is under one. Very good. On five days rest, there have been four starts. The ERA is 3.15. It's a little bit better, but you know, not just a small sample, obviously. The whip is 1.2 on five days rest. And then there's this. On six days rest or more, and there have been nine starts now on six days rest or more, the ERA is 1.51. For Carlos Rodon. And that is a bigger sample than the other two. The whip, that's walks plus hits per innings pitched. Base runners he's allowing. 0.857. Outrageous whip and ERA for Carlos Rodon. Hitters are hitting 165 against him with six days rest or more. So you're not going to be able to do that in the playoffs, but you can certainly do that leading up to the playoffs and before either game one or game two of the playoffs. And look, if you're fortunate enough to have a three- or four-week run in the playoffs, buy him an extra day whenever possible. It is obvious the fastball has more velocity. The fastball has more life, more uh, more carry to it on that four-seamer. And the numbers show it through. It also puts um, a damper in the, in the idea that we had been kicking around of who was going to be a starter for Game 4 of a playoff series for the Chicago White Sox. If you're starting Rodon in game one and then Lance Lynn in game two, then Giolito game three, you're not bringing Rodon back on short rest. Really, I don't think you'll want to bring Rodon back on short rest at any point during the playoffs. Anyway, if it's me, I have Lance Lynn as my game one starter, and then I would conceive of Lance Lynn on short rest. But Dylan Cease gets another chance tonight to show that he is uh, ready to be trusted in that kind of context. Just dominant his last time out at a guaranteed rate against the Royals. Cease against Zach Davies tonight. Texters getting in at 312, 644, 67, 67. If you don't have ESPN, the game is on ABC tonight as well. So you can be subjected to the inferior broadcast um, in multiple ways. I'm really, I'm really not looking forward to that. Again. Maybe I'll just have to sync up 670 the score and do it that way. So I just can't. Better than any concierge. You always ask the other team. (laughs) (laughs) My goodness. Just, just absolutely brutal. This team is on fuego. Meanwhile, looking around the league, it is uh, some crazy stuff around the league. Nationally, races of consequence are tightening. They are changing. And a lot of them involve former Cubs. Chris Bryant and the Giants um, beaten up on the Brewers late. The Brewers blew that game yesterday, and the Giants find themselves... What's that? Uh, Find themselves up on the Dodgers by four games, up on the Padres by seven and a half. Anthony Rizzo had an RBI, what, in his first six games as a Yankee? And the Yankees are charging in the American League East. 
Javier Baez, though, and the Mets have been scuffling, and they find themselves out of first place by a game and a half. The Phillies in first place. Um, they got there yesterday for the first time since early May. The Mets had been in first place since May 7th. That is a long time, but no longer. The Phillies up there. A texter says that the Cubs spread around the country has increased his enjoyment of quick pitch. Good for you. That's an excellent way to, uh, to do it. You see number 48 Rizzo hitting into a fielder's choice that led to a run yesterday. Didn't get the RBI, but I'm with you watching quick pitch and seeing those guys spread around the country. It's 670. The score, Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run all morning long up until noon. Lots to talk about with you, and we'll take your phone calls and texts all morning. But when we come back, Steve Stone on the White Sox and the Cubs and the state of things in Chicago baseball next on The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You know what? Virgil Trucks. The pitcher warming up in the bullpen from the Baltimore Orioles, a 12-game winner already this year, Steve Stone. He hit the spot with it and strikes out Dave Parker. And so we have played one inning in the 1980 All-Star Game at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles. And we have no score on a lovely, warm summer evening. I have been in the city of Chicago since 1973. I love Chicago, and it's been just a great place to be during the summertime. Baseball on both sides of town has been very good to me. I remain the only, uh, the only person who's ever played for both teams and broadcast both radio and television for both teams, and I take that as 
a badge of honor. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's Sports Station. Nice opportunity on a Sunday morning to welcome Steve Stone on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Stoney, good morning. How are you, sir? Fine, Matt. How are you today? Um, excellent. So how rare is it? I can't imagine that it's happened another time that two guys who used to broadcast for a team come back into town and broadcast for the opposition to that team like like you and Len have this weekend uh, as a student of the game and a student of the broadcast industry any precedent for this that you know of no I don't think that I mean if, if it happened before maybe it was one time I really I really don't track that but yeah it is a bit unusual and it was uh, it was fun I mean there was uh, look we all know the situation with the Cubs and the trade deadline and all of the personnel that they traded away However, there was still a lot of electricity in the stands. There were still, uh, still, the fans were into it. Uh, the first game was uh, was probably a whole lot closer than uh, than uh, anybody wanted, especially with the three-run home run against Kimbrel late. I mean, Romine hitting a home run—that's uh, that's not something that usually happens. But you could feel a little more intensity in the crowd than yesterday. Uh, the pitching just dominated for for the Sox, but. It was really a nice experience. It was nice to uh, to be on the road, uh, even though the road was a very short trip. And uh, <laughs> it's also nice to see the the, uh, the stands filled with fans. And I got to tell you, it was probably evenly divided. I mean, when they both went into their chance, let's go Sox, let's go Cubs. I, I think uh, the the noise level was about the same. You know, it, it's a very healthy thing to have. Uh, another big league club and, and have to have you rise up to it. And I know it, it gets kind of poo-pooed as, you know, as sometimes, especially on the score, as like tribalism and pettiness or whatever. But it's like it, it, it's good to have that standard staring you across the way. I, 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 liked, I, I think that the Cubs' success spurred Rick Hahn and, and Jerry Reinsdorf to decide to revamp and do what they've done. And now the White Sox success and stability right now and for the next couple years – hopefully is going to spur Jed Hoyer and the Cubs to, uh, to, to try to get good again relatively quickly. Um, it, it, it can be a very healthy thing in that way, don't you think? Well, I think anytime you have a competition that's really on your doorstep, uh, you want to do something to, uh, to maybe, if not do it better than them, at least get to their level. I mean, look at the Mets and the Yankees. Year after year, they vie for the, uh, you know, for for the back page and uh, on the daily news or the uh, or the post. I mean, uh, they're both in it to be able to capture or recapture a fandom. And maybe mm-hmm. look, the hardcore fans of one or another are not going to swing over. But there are some fans who, when one side is really good, they'll matriculate to that side. When the other side is good, they'll come back to the other side. And so you are. Uh, you know, I guess if you look at it in a political sense, you're not going to go after the hardcore party people. You're going to go after the independents who are in the middle who might swing back and forth. And uh, that certainly helps. I think it's a very healthy rivalry. And a lot of people, uh, mostly of the, the Cub variety, were incensed when I said this was a Cubs World Series. They weren't understanding what I was saying. Uh, is it as important at the World Series? No, but when you're not going to make the playoffs, 
it's really nice to beat the team that's in the neighborhood of eight miles from you. I know the Sox felt the same way when the Sox were going through their rebuild. Uh, it was a really good feeling to be able to battle and beat the Cubs. That's what they look for. If you don't have the playoffs and then you're going through uh, a more abundant end of the season, well, then beating that team that's on your doorstep is really a good thing, and your players feel it. They, they might not think they're the end of the world, these games, but they bear down and they want to win those games. Believe me, to a man, the White Sox, even with a 10-and-a-half game lead in, in, uh, in our division, they want to beat the Cubs. There is no doubt about it, and I have to believe uh, uh, the Cubs feel the same way about the White Sox. It's just human nature to do that. Moribund. Uh, God, that's so right. So any, anything you can grab onto to give yourself a little motivation, you take. Yeah, what that, does... that, that's what you need. It's an everyday game, Matt. Yep. You come to the ballpark every day. You try to make yourself the best player you can be. And everyone says, well, this team laid down. Look, I was 14 years in professional baseball. I came to the park every day through some very bad teams, some bad teams, some okay teams, mediocre teams, and some very good teams. But the only thing that was the same was my desire to win that day if I was pitching. And the guys who played in back of me, they felt the same way. You never go out there and lay down in a game. You go out there to win each and every time out because that's how we got to where we got to. That's how we get to the major leagues is that competitiveness that drives you to win every time you go out there. We were taught to win as we were growing up. If we didn't win a lot, we wouldn't be in the major leagues. And then to get there and expect that these guys are going to lay down, that really does not happen. I've never seen it happen. It never happened to me, and it's never happened to the guys that that I was around. Do they play maybe a step above on occasion, depending on their motivation? Yeah, but they go out there wanting to win every day. Stoney, Carlos Rodon is brilliant on six days of rest or more this year, an ERA of 1.51. The fastball clearly has more life, more carry, as well as more velocity. Um, but, but so I find myself thinking about the opportunity slash challenge for the entire rotation. From the starting pitcher perspective, what is, what is the opportunity and or challenge for Tony La Russa and Ethan Katz the rest of the way to try and maximize these guys so they're in pristine health and command when the playoffs come? Okay, so here we are on the 33rd anniversary of the first night game at Wrigley Field, 8888 was when it happened and so we're getting down to we're getting down to a little less than two months left in the season it's of vital importance for most of these guys to go into hopefully and i believe that's going to happen let's let's call it hopefully going into the postseason healthy because that is the biggest challenge is getting guys enough innings to stay sharp getting guys enough rest to stay healthy and making sure that if there are consequential games, and I'm not sure they're not going to be. Uh, we remember the 2005 White Sox uh, with that dissolving lead to the Cleveland Indians that got everybody a, a, little, uh, a little excited, a little tense, a little nervous. That can happen all the time. It looks like you have something well in hand. All of a sudden you see a team pop up that you didn't expect. In our division, I don't think without, with, without Savali and with Bieber healthy, the Indians probably will not be able to make a run, but maybe the Tigers will. Who knows? I don't know what's going to happen there. But I do know that these guys aren't taking anything for granted. However, when you're planning ahead, you're trying to keep everybody healthy. You mentioned how good Rodon looks on extended rest. And I said his dead arm would go away in a couple of starts, and it did uh, because he got the added rest. Tony's going to have to do that with each and every one of their pitchers, each and every one of those guys in the bullpen. 
But maybe the finest balancing act is the bullpen, Matt, because you got to get them enough work to keep them sharp to make sure they're throwing strikes, but you don't get them too much work where they start to bog down or, or God forbid, another injury. The Sox right now are uh, have been as injured a team as I've ever seen as far as consequential injuries, but the key is health. The healthiest team usually wins in late September, October, not necessarily the best team. We've seen that year after year after year where the best team in baseball does not win the World Series. The reason is that they get a key injury or two, and then it really hurts them. So if you're, if you're sitting in a situation with a big lead, you can more easily plot going forward to keep everybody healthy. Stoney, um, why does a pitcher fall behind like Craig Kimbrell did on Friday then look hittable as he's forced to throw in the zone? He hasn't looked like that all year long. Um, and it is, it's the eighth versus the ninth. So, you know, uh, look – I, I, I believe in the mentality that it takes to focus just a little bit more or, get, or just hump it up a little bit more. And I'm not saying it's going to be some massive problem along the way, but is it conceivable that, um, th- that, that a change in, in role just for a moment can mess with your head a little bit and you can fall behind and look different as Kimbrell did on Friday than he has any other appearance all year long? Well, number one, he gave up two runs all year long. Two earned runs all year long. So odds are overwhelming it was going to happen to him again. Mm-hmm. And it just happened to happen to him at a bad time. But, look, I'm not going to tell you you get as much adrenaline, uh, especially a lifetime closer does not get as much adrenaline in the eighth as he does the ninth. However, when you're throwing for the greater good, and that means you know, you're trying to get this team uh, into the playoffs and then winning the World Series, then you have to you have to – you have to get people out in whatever role you've chosen. And it would be unrealistic, I think, for Tony LaRussa to get his guy, Liam Hendricks, who is going to be here for three years, who has been here all year long saving games late. Now you make a trade, and you make a trade for, let's say, arguably a comparable closer. These are probably the two best closers in all of baseball. you got them on the same team. But you don't take down your incumbent closer because you acquire another closer. You might use the acquired closer at times in that role. But at first, you go with Hendricks and Kimbrell. We all know you can never have too many good arms in the bullpen. And we saw yesterday something. There was a little thing yesterday. And we've seen it the last few times out. And don't miss this if you're a Sox fan or if you're a baseball fan looking at assembled bullpens. But Aaron Bummer is starting to throw the ball as well as he can throw it. When he's throwing it well, you got Kopech out there, you got Bummer out there, you have Kimbrell out there, and you have Hendricks. you got those four, and Crochet's got very good stuff, and he's a young pitcher. He's going to learn how to use it right now. He doesn't use it quite as well as he will, but he will. Tapere is a very good pitcher, had a couple of rough outings. But this bullpen is shaping up to be the best bullpen in the major leagues, the deepest, the best stuff, and everything that goes with it, meaning you had Rodon throw five-plus yesterday, and all of a sudden, I mean, it was, see you later, lights out, you're not going to hit Kopech, Bummer, Kimbrell, Hendricks stayed out of it, and Tapera. I mean, you're talking about one of the great bullpens assembled in all of baseball, and maybe as deep as any bullpen assembled in baseball history. The key will be what Aaron Bummer can do. If he looks like he looked yesterday... And like the last five times out, he's starting to get his control. His ball sinks like nobody around. 
Um, you know, you're throwing 96, 97 mile an hour sinkers, and when people hit it, they hit the top of the baseball and beat it into the ground. That's pretty impressive. So keeping all of these guys healthy and making sure that these arms are ready to go when, number one, either consequential games come in mid-September or when the playoffs start is going to be the key for Tony and his staff. Um, so, so we think that it's going to be Kimbrell in the eighth for the most part, uh, you know, as opposed to sort of going back and forth, which Tony had hinted at. I understand your logic on Hendricks completely, and he's obviously a guy who feeds off the, uh, the emotion and, and the anger and said so, and he's definitely going to be here for the next few years. Well, I think, you, I think the initial thing is Kimbrell throws the eighth, if need be, or there's other times where Tony might flip it up. He is not willing to say, this is going to be my everyday closer, this is going to be my everyday setup man. But in the, the opportunities that he's had, it's been, it's been Kimbrell first, Hendricks second. As long as that's working, you stay with it. But there are going to be times where maybe Hendricks uh, throws two days in a row, can't throw the third day. Maybe it's going to be Kimbrell. He's going to be able to to get that done. So I don't know how it pans out. I just know that when you have these options, and some would say an embarrassment of riches, you tend to uh, to go with what makes you unbeatable. And it seems so far that Kimbrell and Hendricks back-to-back make you unbeatable. Stony Gavin Sheets has been impressive uh, at times. Is he still a victim of roster crunch when Luis Robert comes back? I, I don't know if he's if he's proven enough or or shown enough at this point to uh, to stay when Luis comes back. Uh, look, it, it, it's an interesting conversation to have. I really, I really can't tell you who it's going to be at this point because I don't really know. I'm not sure if uh, if they have an idea, but sometimes these things work themselves out. Uh, they work themselves out because of injuries that you didn't expect. And Lord knows we've had our share of injuries this year on the ball club. Um, Gavin Sheets has done a great job. To me, that's one of the options going forward. Um, as far as uh, experience and um, guys who have uh, done a pretty good job when they were healthy, Jake Lamb is that guy. I don't know who's going to go down. I just know that it's not an easy situation when you have when you have as many Real good guys, guys who have contributed, guys who have stepped in in situations where injuries dictated that they filled the, the gap. These guys have done it. I mean, to a man. Goodwin has been terrific. Uh, Sheets has been very good. Hitting off the bench is really tough for young hitters, and Gavin has shown he can do that. I'm glad I'm not making the decision because I think it would be a tough one. And looking ahead, I couldn't tell you who it's going to be. Stoney, in 78, J.R. Richard struck out 303 guys. In 79, <laughs> he struck out 313 guys. I remember yeah. being a little kid and just being just terrified and in awe of, of the power and the ease with which he threw it way above a hundo. And I, I think he had a, did he have a, 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 a slider that sat at about 91, 92, something like that. You, yeah, you started, and that was unhittable for right-hand hitters. Uh, unbelievable. You, you started against him in the 80 All-Star game, too. What can you tell us about J.R. Richard, who passed away this week? Well, let me, let me take you back to the first time I ever saw him, which was the second game of a doubleheader in Candlestick Park. And it was his first major league start. He goes out there, and the second game of a doubleheader, um, especially a, a daytime doubleheader, the visibility isn't great because it's a little darker. And this gigantic guy goes walking out to the mound. I mean, in those days, 6'8 was gigantic. 
he goes walking out to the mound, and I'm watching him. We're all watching him. He struck out 15. 15 in his major league debut. And all of us are looking at one another going, who the hell is that guy? Where did they get him? I mean, Houston had been known as a team that had hard throwers. But this guy was above and beyond. I mean, it was just it was something awesome. So fast forward to the All-Star game. I'll tell you a quick story. I'm in the on-deck circle. There's two outs in the inning. And J.R. at that point had thrown, I think, 124 innings, and I think he had given up three base hits to right-hand hitters. Right-hand hitters with that 92-mile-an-hour slider was impossible to hit him. So I'm in the on-deck circle. I haven't hit in six years, and I, I, it, was just, it was just something that, you know, I want Bucky Dent is going to the plate. I can't believe Bucky Dent's going to get a hit off this guy because no right-handers did. And sure enough, Bucky punches one through the right side, and I'm going, oh, my God, I got a hit. This is not good. So I go walking up to Johnny Bench, who I had talked to many times from pitching against him in the National League, and I said, John, I said, I haven't hit in six years. And when I was hitting, I couldn't hit. I said, and on top of that, I'm scared to death. I said, I'm having the best year of my life. I'm 12-3. and three. Go out and tell that big donkey not to hit me. I'm going to get as far away from the plate as possible. I got no chance of hitting the baseball. Just tell him, you know, just throw it in there. I'll be, you'll strike me out. It'll be over, and that'll be it. So Bench takes a few steps out, has a couple of words with J.R., comes back. And if you haven't hit uh, for a long time, you really don't know how hard the ball comes in. And the baseball literally exploded in Bench's glove. And that pitch was timed at 103, as I was to find out later. (laughs) And Johnny said to me, must not want you to embarrass him. He's throwing harder to you than he is to the other guys. And I said, embarrass him. I just want to get out of here. Tell him to throw a couple more strikes. So I worked the count to two and two. I I say that uh, uh, facetiously by the fact that he didn't throw two pitches over the plate. And I swung at a pitch eight feet over my head, struck out, and got back to the, uh, to the idea of pitching again. But that, that was fearsome for me, but it was also the last time in the life of, uh, of J.R. Richard that he ever threw like that because um, he had a stroke a little bit after that. It was on the floor of the Astrodome as the team was out of town. He was working out. That stroke left him um, in, in bad shape. He did come back. I think he pitched one more inning in the major leagues, but he was never the same. And uh, so that that day, and all of us, maybe a lesson in life, you never know when that particular day is going to be the last time you're ever going to participate at uh, whatever level you're participating at, meaning sometimes life ends, sometimes it goes on, but it's different. So you got to enjoy every minute of it. And uh, I enjoyed everything but facing Jr. that day. <laughs> That's great stuff. Um, Stoney, uh, 25 years ago today, 1976, you wore shorts for the first time. White Sox wore shorts in, in 76. So 8-8-88, as you mentioned, first night game, 8-8-76, White Sox in shorts. Which one is more important in baseball history, you think? Oh, I think uh, quite obviously the lights. Um, <laughs> I didn't wear the shorts. I was uh, I was injured with the, with the Cubs at that point. So that was... That oh, was a rotator, a rotator cuff injury in 76, and I was headed to become the first free agent ever uh, to leave the Chicago Cubs. That was the first free agent class. That was the winter of 76. That had the stars of uh, Reggie Jackson and uh, uh, Don Baylor and Bobby Gritch. It had a lot of stars in that first class. 
I was a reluctant free agent, uh, but um, that's when I went back from from the Cubs to the White Sox and uh, became a member of the Southside Hitmen in the 77 uh, season. Yeah, I'm an idiot. My, my bad. There, there, is, there is pictures of you in the shorts, though, out, out there. No. It no? couldn't be. I might have gone to the beach that day. No, I don't have any. I, I never wore the shorts, fortunately. I mean, the uniforms were not particularly good looking. And then when you added shorts to it and they realized that these guys had to slide on occasion, it probably wasn't the best idea that uh, that anyone ever had. So they uh, they quickly did away with that after the 76 season. Uh, yeah, no, those, those are socks, Spiegel. Those are just high socks and, uh, and, 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 and knee-high pants, and those are not shorts. No, those, those are the clam digger varieties that, were, that was uh, Mary Frances Beck designed the clam digger pants with, uh, yeah, they weren't, uh, they weren't good. It was not a good look. Uh, uh, well, you, you still made it work. You still made it work. Stoney, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you on a Sunday morning. Enjoy okay, your man. day. Have a good rest of the show. Thank Bye-bye. you so much. That's Steve Stone right there on 670 The Score. Uh, you know, J.R. Richard terrified me, um, and I wasn't alone. Jim Murray, the longtime columnist for the L.A. Times, wrote this. J.R. Richard is the most feared pitcher in the game. For one thing, he blots out the sunlight. His arms are so long, they look collapsible, and his hands comprise 40% of them. Yeah, it's just an enormous and daunting and frightening human. 312-644-6767 is the phone number. If you want to hop in, you can do it as we talk Cubs and White Sox. I want to expand on that, expand and expound on that eighth versus ninth thing uh, when we come back on 670 The Score. And now the stretch. There go the runners. The pitch. A swing and a drive. Deep right field. It's got a chance. Gone. Listen to this crowd. Andrew Roman with a game-tying home run to right. This ball game is back to even, tied 4-4. I did get a barrel to the ball, and I could feel that it, it was hit pretty decent. So there was a bit of a surprise, but, you know, it's like they say, the best swings are usually just reactions, and you don't really think about it. <laughs> That's Andrew Roman. Andrew Romine right there talking about his home run against Craig Kimbrell. Great moment for him. The look on his face after he hit that was just awesome. And there's his walk-up song. He's using Bad Boys, which is the theme to Cops, the TV show that we used to, um, I, I used to watch plenty. Little reality glimpse into uh, incredibly stupid criminals, usually, or often criminals messed up on drugs, cops trying to do the right things, etc. Andrew Romine's dad was a member of the Boston Red Sox. I don't think he played for other people. Kevin Romine. So Kevin Romine, a player in the big leagues. Uh, Austin Romine, a catcher for the Cubs and in the system, who may indeed come back at some point. And Andrew Romine there. What I had not realized is that Kevin Romine, after his playing career, ended up being a detective in Los Angeles. So is that why Andrew Romine uses Cops as his walk-up song? It is. Do we know that for sure? Uh, yeah, I, Merkin uh, report, was like, oh, that's weird. He's coming up to cops. And then someone responded. Let me get it up. Uh, Jason Beck responded, and he said his dad, Kevin, was a police detective in L.A. And that's why? I believe that's so, yeah. Tr- 
That that's tremendous. That that is tremendous. How about Kevin Romine? Let's talk to him sometime. Former ball player becomes a cop and has two kids who make the big leagues. That's pretty neat. And his final home run of his career, May fifth, nineteen ninety one, off Chicago White Sox, Alex Fernandez. It was a grand slam. <laughs> and he had five tremendous. career home runs. He had five, and one of them is a grand slam off Alex Fernandez. Yes. That's pretty strong. If the Romines do play together at some point here for the Cubs, uh, they will be, I believe it's the 105th brother tandem to be teammates in Major League Baseball. It's a lot more than I'd realized. More than 100 brothers have been, uh, brother combos have been teammates in Major League Baseball. I'm sure you can think of some. And the Romines could become, I believe it's the 105th. It's Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel, here on 670 The Score. I, I, I want to know why this idea is getting so much pushback. This idea that I brought up the other day uh, about Kimbrell in the eighth inning. And it's, I, I, had, I had tweeted this, that if we are all willing to grant that the ninth inning is unique, that it takes a special personality to rise up to that situation every time. The closer mentality. Then if we're willing to grant that, then suddenly doing it in the eighth inning when you are not the anointed guy, it's understandable that it might have a mental effect on you and change your focus just a little bit or change the adrenaline just a little bit. And that could have some kind of effect in terms of getting the mechanics exactly right, in terms of location, just being able to be as laser focused and locked in as you need to be. And I'm not saying that Tony LaRusso is doing the wrong thing. And I'm not saying this is definitely what's happening with Kimbrell. But why do people people pushed back on that hard the other day when I brought it up. And maybe the fault is in the premise for me. Do you, as a baseball fan, freely admit that the ninth inning is unique, that those three outs are different, that you have to be um, prepared in a different way, wired in a different way to do it? I I do. I have no problem admitting that. Thinking about it dispassionately and purely like outs are outs. He's just an outgetter. That's, I mean, that's kind of adorable, um, but it's seriously minimizing the human aspect of it, and it, it's unrealistic. It's just unrealistic to minimize the human aspect of it. People rise. People fail. People are better in certain situations than they are in others. Sometimes, sometimes a situation is too much and anxiety is heightened. Two-strike anxiety we talk about with hitters, taking advantage of hitters' two-strike anxiety. Pitchers could have, you know, close lead anxiety. Maybe it gets back to choke versus clutch to people, but I, I don't know. Like, there, there's a couple things in baseball that, I, to me, are completely undeniable as having more demand for mental focus and being more challenging than other things. And, and people's uh, theories on this have evolved. Some people have not believed it at first and then eventually come to believe it. I'm talking about hitting leadoff and pitching the ninth. 
So it, it, is there a pushback on that as the premise? 312-644-6767. I'd love to talk with you about it. Because imagine having a career spent as the man, as the closer, as the dude, and knowing that's your gig. And when you're rolling, you are among the best who have ever done it. Nobody can touch you. And that arrogance slash confidence is part of your success. Hendrix talks about it all the time. Okay? And then all of a sudden, a trade demands that you bring the same exact intensity to the eighth inning. Same, same intensity. It's easier said than it is done. And I, I, I want to know why people are pushing back so hard on that. Let's talk about pitching in the eighth versus pitching in the ninth, whether you believe that it's different or not, and whether you can look at failings of, say, Craig Kimbrell for one inning on a Friday and try to figure out why a guy was bad. Because he was bad. Fell behind. And then threw some very hittable pitches that got hit. So is that just baseball? Is that just, oh, the law of averages? You could, you could say that, I suppose. But to me, dismissing the possibility of the mentality being an issue, dismissing the possibility of human adjustment to a role change is silly. And yes, Kimbrell has pitched in the eighth before, but the circumstances have been very, very different than this. We'll talk about it a little bit more, and I really want to hear your thoughts on it at 312-644-6767. And you can certainly text in at that very same number. It's Matt Spiegel here with you on Hit and Run. I'm here until noon. After me, there's more live and local programming. Rami Makloff is on from noon to 3 right here on The Score. After that, Chris Ranji from 3 o'clock up until the Cubs game. Pre-game coming your way about 5.30 p.m. 6.09 is the first pitch tonight for Cubs and White Sox right here on the score. Let's talk about this, pitching in the eighth versus pitching in the ninth. And also next hour, we'll take you into the mind of a prospect when the trade deadline has hit with a crazy story regarding one of the acquisitions for the Cubs. It's Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel, and you on 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.